0: hello everybody and welcome to this week's episode of RealCom live so good to be with you today uh i got another great show lined up as you know we like to um, make sure our conversations on real estate technology prop tech cre tech whatever we're going to call it we want to make sure that our conversations are global and we've got an incredibly uh a great network around the world that helps us keep up with um innovation and it's not just the technology we keep up with But we like to keep an eye on how people are actually executing on the adoption. Different cultures, different processes, different um, uh, mindsets. And this week, we are coming uh, at this from a perspective of Europe. So live from Europe, we're going to jump across the pond and, and speak with two what I call friends at this point. I've known Andrew for probably 20 years and Jim for maybe 10, maybe 12, but I knew Jim's dad for 30. So uh, these relationships go way back. So Andrew Waller, partner of Remit Consulting and Jim McHale, CEO and founder of Memori. And what we're going to do is we're going to talk about Seri tech and innovation in the European Union. We're going to start London, go UK, and then we're going to go all the way out to the European Union. And frankly, we could take an hour to talk about this, if not more, we're going to have 18 minutes. So let's bring these guys on and, and get started with our conversation. Gentlemen, how are you? Very well, thank you. It is so good. Yeah, great. Uh, even though, if not in person, Andrew, I think the last time I saw you was in um, in Nashville, correct? In Nashville.
1: Yeah, absolutely fantastic.
0: Two years ago, three years ago. <laughs> well, well, hopefully we can convince you guys to come across the pond. Uh, we we got a great event coming up in Orlando, mm-hmm. and uh, I think I feel like we're kind of getting back to normal, uh, somewhat of normal. So let's dive right in. Um, since we've got you, you know, on the show, you're there. We're here. We read news, we watch news stories, but you really don't ever understand what's going on per se. And, and I know we're hoping COVID is in the rearview mirror. But why don't we start with COVID, Jim? Thirty seconds, quick. How's life where you are? Is it getting back to normal? You know, what does the office look like? And then Andrew weigh in on as well.
2: Oh, we're based in scandinavia here um you know i think the thing with europe of course is that um different countries dealt with this this issue quite differently um and uh and certainly i think um where i am in sweden it was it was dealt with um certainly differently than a lot of european countries but um no i think the since february restrictions have been lifted speaking to office um uh, owners and operators here but, um they're definitely seeing um, um, some some recovery and you know just anecdotally looking around you're seeing a lot more people now um, in the business districts
0: so are you going into the office and going out to dinner after work is it getting to be that normal
2: that's absolutely yeah, yeah that's that's going on now yeah
0: good andrew how about in, in your neck of the woods
1: in London, pretty much the same. Uh, It's very crowded. Um, And certainly uh, all restrictions are off next week. Um, Pretty much uh, uh, people are are dealing with it as if um, uh, they don't have any restrictions. There are a few people, probably 20-30% of people are still wearing masks in crowded places. And given that COVID is still pretty prevalent in society, there's lots of people still have it and they're testing positive. But at the same time, it's it's milder now. So that's good. And I think the big change is how people are using space. I think a lot of people are going into London. I'm not sure that they're all going back to the office. Uh, yeah, we, we keep track of the numbers that we get um, numbers from all the big portfolios and we're back up to, well, 30% on the key days during the week, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Um, now that probably equates to about 35 40 percent of 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 what it was was before but i think people are going in and having meetings i think they're they're in the coffee shops they're in restaurants um not necessarily using the offices in the way that that they used to and over
0: here we're hearing the word hybrid a lot and and what what is the most interesting thing is we're having three different opinions on this we have the owner operators who say everybody back to the office five days a week because we're in the real estate business we have their tenants, the corporation saying, let's try this hybrid thing two, three days. And the tenants employees who are really driving all this saying, we want absolute flexibility. (laughs) And and that might mean two days or three days in the office. We're not sure. We want a coffee shop to act as our office one day. So is that, are you hearing that in your world? I mean, the hybrid mobility work anywhere, any place in a real meaningful way. Jim, you wanna start?
2: I think you described it very well. I wouldn't I wouldn't describe it any differently than that in, here in Europe. That's that's what I hear from people and that's, um, I think, our experience at the moment, yeah.
1: yeah. yeah Andrew? Um, yeah, I, I, I don't think anybody knows yet. I think we're, we're seeing a big rush back into offices because people are just desperate to meet people and have something of the relationships they're used to. Um, funnily enough, it's the youngsters in our team who really want to be in the offices every day. Uh, people with a house, in the country, uh, they want at least two or three days um, working where they can get some work done. And I think people are uh, adapting. I, but I think that you know the people are using it well. They're using the, the way that Teams and Zoom has come on in the last two years is phenomenal. I remember talking to you, Jim, and Skype was almost unusable across the pond.
0: Yep. Yeah. Oh, and wait till you see what's coming. I mean, we're, we push Teams to. We now produce events using just Teams and. We, we've learned all sorts of tricks of the trade and some of the new things coming, which we're going to showcase at the conference. I mean, we are going to take this whole concept of immersive experience to another level, trying to demonstrate to owners of office buildings, retail, mixed use, residential, how this is going to work. And basically it means you know being able to push a button and jump into a physical slash virtual metaverse, half office, half online kind of experience. It's still early, but to me, I'm, I'm getting more clarity every day on what this next thing's gonna look like, which is kind of exciting. I think um, it goes to what,
1: what you were saying earlier. I mean, big change for us in the last month is that clients are now asking us to go into real physical workshops with them. And we've just got a team this week in, in Paris working with, ironically on a digitization project at one of the big funds. And um, But they want to meet face-to-face. They even got flip charts rather than using the screens. Uh, it's. Um, I don't,
0: I, I'm going to agree to disagree because
1: uh, when you see an immersive
0: environment with a virtual wall war room, and the information that can be shared, I mean, we've seen some of these war rooms where quants are sitting behind the executives as they're listening to the conversations. They're bringing up aerials, they're bringing up floor plans. The executives don't even need to call for the information because these people are trained to read their mind and then present the information. We're all visual learners. And all it does is it gets pe- smart people smarter faster. So I, I, there is a place for flip charts. Don't get me wrong, but, you know, we, we got to beyond that.
1: I, I think we're getting there. And I, I think that you know, that just illustrates that, you know, there is this swing back to real meetings with real people and real paper. But you know, you're not going to get rid of this hybrid approach. You, you're actually going to sort of benefit from the stuff that's been developed in the last two years.
0: And, and, the, and the big question, and I'd like to have you back on maybe after the conference that everybody's asking is what is occupancy utilization really going to be and how is that going to impact the owner operator's ability to spend money on technology and innovation? We were talking about that a little bit before we started. You know, we're in a weird place and speaking of weird, let's pivot to another crazy topic. You know, we're kind of watching a war take place, right? So we just finally got through COVID and everybody's taking a deep breath and God bless those people in Ukraine. What happened, it is happening to them, is just absolutely unbelievable. I know how we feel here, kind of helpless, right? Uh, I mean, at a human level, I I feel like I want to do more. But what's the sentiment in Europe about what's going on? You guys are obviously much closer to it. Is it impacting daily lives and business? Jim, you want to start? Mm
2: get a sense that it's impacting daily lives um, and business, but of course it's like you know it's right on the doorstep um, I mean literally you know hour and a half uh, two hour flight away um, so you know it really is uh, makes it much more real so you know that's definitely I think that's how it feels
1: I, I Andrew I, I think Jim's absolutely right uh, the fact that it is so close and of course you've now got live reporting of everything that's going on it it seems that much closer than the um, Croatia-Serbian conflict a few few years ago Mm -hmm. and I think there's just this wave of uncertainty we don't know what's going to happen next it's been it goes quiet then something something happens but um, it's really upsetting the investment markets it's upsetting all of the supply chains um, the speculation on all the commodities uh, yeah, it, it, it's difficult to, to know. Having said that, we're carrying on with our digitalization projects just in the same way as we all are because, you know, life goes on. But right. um, the big macro stuff, you know, that's going to take some time to play out.
0: So let's – I want to cut this topic in before the break. ESG, right, big topic. We, we were chatting again before the conversation. This is my third rodeo, I think, on E of ESG, the energy one. I mean, literally, yeah. Realcom was somewhat founded on the idea that I wanted to get building owners to turn the lights off at three o'clock in the morning of their 50 story buildings, right? Mm-hmm. My mom always taught me, turn off the lights when you're not in the room, and it's stuck, okay? And we went to Asia and specifically South Korea, and we saw, you know, lights that left go off the minute you walk out of the room and in office towers, not just in bathrooms or anything. So when you look at energy, which is playing a major role in this dispute, it's going to shift global geopolitics with Russia and oil, and and especially you guys in Europe. Everybody's focusing on driving because we do it every day, but nobody's focusing really on us, the buildings, which are 40 to 45% of the average daily energy spent, right? Andrew, you've been at this a long time, and I'm going to pivot to Jim, who's got the gears and understands the things that we could bring our energy usage down. Why is there such a disconnect? And then if you could reference that survey that you talked about a little bit earlier. Sorry. We um, can start with Andrew, yeah.
1: Yeah, of course. Um, so I think that the couple of things is at play. Firstly is that um, yeah, we've all been working from home for two years. And so the domestic side of things is influencing what we see. And <clears throat> I'll give you an idea, um, my energy bill for my house has doubled in the last six months. Yeah. Um, so that means that I'm looking there. you expand that out to the commercial market, which didn't have the protection that the domestic market had. And this is a really big thing. So so I think from, from one point of view, this is a really good thing for ESG because we're going to put many more sensors in. We're going to start investing in buildings. We're going to start retrofitting. And banks are going to find a way to fund it. Having said that, <clears throat> you hear the government saying, well, we're going to have to open up oil fields and we'll see again. Right,
0: So, right. and, and I, I'm as green as they come. Honestly, RealCom was founded on bringing efficiency and sustainability. That's one of the things I was thinking about 25 years ago. But we cannot go to a, a, a low voltage or a sustainable energy source overnight. It's gonna take time, right? So, so Jim, in New York City, and then I'm gonna ask a broad question and get a, hopefully a detailed answer. During the pandemic, New York City, less than 10% occupied utilized through 20, call it, let's call it 2021. Yet their energy bills did not budge or go down one bit. And what we heard from all these owners was, my building wasn't equipped, I had to keep it operational. I, by, by, by the you know language of my leases, I'm required. So empty buildings, same energy spent. First question, does that make any sense to you whatsoever in a world that's being now jockeyed by energy reliance? And then number two, in your smart building world, how easy of a fix is this?
2: Well, look, I mean, of course, it makes no sense at all, does it? Um, we should have at least the capability to you know, um, put systems, you know, when we if we face or some, you know, uh, Different uh, circumstances like that, we should be able to have the flexibility to be able to deal with that um, in terms of what energy we use. Um, yeah, and, and obviously the technology piece is, is 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 still complicated. There's still such a mix of um, buildings of different age, different ages with different types of equipment and, um, and and at different stages of being, you know, in quotation marks smart. And and that's I think the struggle I think for a lot of, a lot of companies that own um, you know portfolios of, of property, it's not all of their buildings um, are, uh, are are up to the same standard or can be managed in the same in the same way. Right. Um, but there is of course the technology um, to 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 solve these problems. But it's it's by no means um, easy still, and we we need to make it easier.
0: And well, and it's not just the technology that isn't easy. It's the structure of that building. In a multi-tenant <clears throat> building, everybody takes responsibility for their own suites and builds them out and has their own needs, requirements, likes, dislikes. So, you know, when you're looking at that tall building in downtown London, you know, at three o'clock in the morning and three quarters of the lights are on, you know, is that something that the building owner, you know, can mandate on those tenants? I mean, and so there's this organizational challenge, but Given the importance of ESG, specifically E, uh, and the crisis we're under right now with you know energy playing a major role in this war dispute that we're seeing between Ukraine and Russia, I'm hoping that something good comes out of it in that we really fast track the E, the energy part of this conversation, because we're some of the biggest culprits. The buildings are, are the biggest culprits. All right, let's take a brief Break. And then, what we're going to do when we come back, we're going to talk specifically about prop tech, the momentum that they're seeing in Europe. Um, you know, Are people still investing? Are they buying? Or does this uh, uh, craziness or experiencing putting everything on pause? So, we'll be right back and continue the conversation. All right. Um, all right. I, two great guys that, uh, that, as far as Europe is concerned, I consider you top of your games on the follow up that can address this next question. So let's go back to Nashville, 2019. Since 2009, a lot of investment in new companies, prop tech, you know, every uh, 5 million in a new idea, hundreds, some would say thousands of companies starting up, lot of momentum, money's still getting thrown at it. The pandemic hits, we're, we're you know, having to figure out how to stay healthy for three, four months and get our, our sea legs kind of oriented. And then Midway, some you know people are saying we're going to use this as an opportunity to really digitize and do all those things that we you know didn't do before, and others just sat there and said we're going to wait it out and see what happens. Okay, so with that being said, let's start with Andrew. In the UK and or or, or Europe, more in general, is the prop tech momentum the same as twenty nineteen? Uh, the up meaning more interest not just in the ideas, but in the adoption? Or are you seeing a slight pause and a slowdown? Andrew, want to give us your feedback? Well, a
1: huge question. Thanks, Jim. <laughs> yeah. well, we're all asking. Them. <laughs> um, okay. I think the prop tech market goes on unhindered. There are um, phases to it. <clears throat> there are ups and downs. I think what we're seeing is the private equity are going in and building platforms and trying to gather solutions around and spending a lot of time on that, Um, in particular industry sectors. So maybe the the solutions don't look um, the same sort of thing, but they provide an answer to similar sort of problems. Um, I think the the customers are actually looking at it from a different angle. I think they- they, um,
0: For building owners or tenants?
1: For building owners. And particularly the funds that are funding them. And um, I think what they're really focusing on is customers and it's the S of ESG now. Energy, most of the people have actually done quite a lot of that work. And they they say they haven't adopted all the technology they can, but that's coming. But the bit that's really the gap in the market here is um, social and particularly community. Yeah. Um, so we've just been working on a very, very large new city of London building a million square feet. A huge amount of time has gone into integrating that into the community in whatever format there. Um,
0: Would you call that the experience side of the conversation? Yeah, yeah. yeah
1: exactly. And, and, so, and, and the whole thing about placemaking. So technology that helps roll that out is actually getting you know, looked at a lot more um it's about understanding where the customers go what they do how they how, how they work and again
0: I, so we we know the money's still flowing into proptech which is amazing it's going on 13 years now right we're this an endless flow of cash are you seeing obviously we're just coming out of a pandemic and then you know the potential of a war are you seeing the uptick in adoption or i mean the companies keep rolling in but are people buying and installing this technology at a rate the same less or or greater than 2019
1: slightly more but there's there is there is this um concerns anxiety about smaller companies i think you know as we see this the new ideas the innovation being adopted by the larger companies they feel a little bit safer about about doing that
0: so jim you're more on the smart building side so are Mm -hmm. projects going ahead faster than before the same or less
2: I mean, I can I can talk from, I mean, we mentioned investment. I mean, from our records, what we counted, uh, 21, uh, 2021 was a record year um, and um, and not even close, right? Like, um, I don't know if that's going to continue this year. My sense is uh, probably not, but I don't think it's going to fall off a cliff by any stretch of the imagination. But, you know, we just completed some work on um, looking at the, what we term digital uh, workplace. And, you know, it's, it's, it's really a fast-growing market. I mean, we're looking at around 20% growth in, in sales. At so is that more front
0: of the house than back of the house?
2: Uh, yes, yeah. Um, these. So, for example, you know, the com- com- workplace management and then combining that with a more of the sort of what have been those sort of more point IoT solutions like with occupancy um, analytics and then bringing in, of course, um, something we haven't mentioned yet, experience. Um, that's, that's big. I'm seeing, we've seen a lot of companies, um, uh, take that on, um, and, and really, um, use it to, uh, you know, to good advantage.
0: So, so given though that the money, the investment inflows 2021 record year, adoption is both of, you know, in our industry is slow. We're going on 13 years of this investment cycle.
2: Mm.
0: How patient are investors going to be? Is the hmm. the take up, the adoption going to satisfy them? I mean, I, I heard five years and I'm hearing well, we're looking for 10 year returns and I even heard 15 years in my world, at least you know in tech for 35 years, you better show me something in 18 to 36 months. now we're talking five to ten years and even beyond that. I mean, what's the general attitude of prop tech investors and, companies as far as the market right now. Andrew, do you got any thoughts?
1: Uh, yeah, I, I think they're still looking to turn them around as quickly as possible. But I think there's a realism that actually, yeah, we are looking at um, industry change and the industry hasn't changed that much in the last 200 years. Um, and I think that's a bit of a shock to um, uh, to a lot of investors new to the market. I think there's also a difference between the US and the UK. A lot of um, time, time I, I spend, with UK asset managers and fund managers who have um, either joint ventures or um, they're owned by a, a US um, uh, REIT, for example. Um, and there's a real mismatch of expectations there, yes. uh, because the markets are different. And I think the US has actually accelerated on digitization far faster than than Europe. It's catching up. And there's a lot of good ideas here. But even when the good ideas come out of Europe, there is still a, a, um, a time to get uh, some sort of understanding um, between the two groups. Uh,
2: Jim, you want to add on to that? Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, the level of funding is is not the same. We're not on the same level as, as the US. Um, that's clear. Um, but I would say, and again, I, I totally agree. Like, it's, it's super interesting about what expectations are around, um, you know, Return for these these sorts of companies they've invested in, but you know we're seeing some really interesting um, exits, um, and they you know I mean a company last year access control business um, that that achieved um, a really a really good exit for their investors. So, so the exit you worked,
0: know, but 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 is the long term viability of the business with the projections that gave them that exit is is it gonna is it gonna be real or is it gonna fall that, short? That,
2: that's a great, a great question, um, and um, I don't have the answer. I wish I had the
0: answer to that. We've been asking Go this down. question for seven years, eight years. I mean, because yeah. the numbers aren't yeah. lined up, you know. In, in a lot of respect. No. All right, we're going to run out of time. I want to get one more quick question. In. Jim, on the smart building side, Andrew, you're more on the digitization, maybe the the back end enterprise side. Jim, what's the most innovative thing you've seen in the last six to twelve months in a building?
2: Um. I'm just gonna. I'm gonna say that what I see as encouraging is around um, data integration and data models and um, semantic web on-, on ontologies. That's encouraging me to think actually that we are seeing a more industry-wide, more um, initiatives to join data together, and that's absolutely critical if we are going to. Uh, you know, actually achieve more, more uh, smarter buildings, of course. So that's what's encouraged me,
0: yeah. Andrew, what about you? What's, what's just turned your head?
1: Okay, I, th- I think the, the, um, the whole thing about integrating data is, is one of those things which will run and run and run and we're continually disappointed at the current level. And the things, that, but, but there are some very smart people bringing some really good analysis to areas which you didn't think would, I, you know, the rent collection stats, for example, that's really important in the valuation of buildings. Who knew that collecting rent might actually affect the value of a building? That's the sort of stuff that's coming out now because we've got this data and you can then extrapolate it, you can work with it, you can play with it, and you can value that tenant and their propensity to pay. Yeah,
0: I. I when you said data, um, I really hope you guys can make it at the conference because we were talking earlier about this Lake Nona project, the smart city in Orlando. They were showing real-time traffic data, I mean real-time, so you knew before you left your office and went to the Starbucks, it would take you, you know, they've got traffic in the city totally monitored, real-time, anonymized for privacy reasons, but I've never seen real-time data available to tenants and landlords and and developers. It's like, you know, between that and the autonomous vehicles and the drones, I mean, these people are, are going crazy. All right, guys, we are out of time. Um, We didn't get the supply chain. We didn't get to inflation, all the things that are impacting people's, you know, the way they look at buildings. But uh, we're going to have you back uh, if you don't mind, you know, and maybe every quarter so you can keep us surprised on what's going on over there. And I really want to thank you for taking the time and uh, and allowing our audience to get a little bit of down under. (laughs) Actually, no, that's (laughs) Australia. Sorry. (laughs) All right, guys, have a great day. Thanks again
2: thanks very much thanks
0: very much be well all right let's bring howard on and uh to do the news and uh i gotta tell you we had a little bit of a, a runaround this morning um with howard um just like our theme last year resilience right in this world now this morning and not just uh howard and then los angeles and san diego experienced a major outage and in this environment the first thing that we think of is uh-oh is this the beginning of some cyber attacks so you know, we pivot. We know how to deal with this stuff. Howard, we searched Starbucks. We called. We got broadband capacity and crowd in this. And Howard's doing the news from Starbucks. So, uh, with that, I'm gonna turn it over to you and say thank you. Way to go! And uh, not much can keep us down.
3: Thanks, AY. uh Yeah. So, uh, broadcasting from Starbucks this morning. So, I apologize if there's a little background noise. Uh, but really, thank you. I want to thank Andrew and Jim. This was really great having them both with us today. That was an important conversation. Uh, good hearing from them both. So I'm going to move on to the news. I'll recap a couple of stories from our weekly briefing. So first story, each year we select our conference chairs for Realcom and IBcon, respectively. And this year's chairs for Realcom were Cecilia Lee from Urban Edge, Jesse Carrillo, Howard Hughes Corporation, Jeremy Petit from JBG Smith Properties, and for IBcon. Mano Lambrinos, uh Quadriel, Victor Sanchez from LinkedIn, and Kathy Barrington from Google. Now, we er, uh, uh, a couple of months ago, we asked them to share their thoughts on the top concerns for 2022 and the trends they see impacting the industry in the not-too-distant future. And for this week's lead article, we've shared some of these insightful prognostications. It's a great read. Uh, next, I want to shout out to this week's partner, AppSpace. Uh, It's estimated that 74% of companies plan to implement a hybrid work model. And the IT department spend has risen about 7% in the last year as companies adapt to support hybrid and remote employees. Now, AppSpace platform may provide support for employee check-in, desk working, company communications, cleaning and safety. Basic, but important stuff. And there's a lot more in the article. So thank you, AppSpace, for your support. Uh, Also, in an initiative called Snapdragon Metaverse Fund, Qualcomm just committed a hundred million to invest in augmented virtual reality to jumpstart the metaverse. Now they're also establishing a grant program for software developers creating virtual and augmented reality content in areas like gaming, health, wellness, media, entertainment, and education. A lot of money going into the metaverse. Interesting to think about what it's going to look like five years from now. Uh, next, Green uh, Oak. Uh, up in Canada is deploying a new predictive office technology platform aimed at mitigating COVID-19 and other viruses. So they've partnered with an environmental engineering firm called RWDI, whose technology known as Particle 1 will be rolled out in 200 properties across Canada and the US. Now, this Particle 1, it draws on sensor data from the property as well as from external data from local and regional healthcare authorities and applies proprietary algorithms to assess risk of infection in the facilities. This technology has been used in mining and aviation. It's now being applied to buildings and public spaces, adaptable to many different pathogens and viruses, although we're all hoping that the pandemic's behind us. I think this may be one way to stay vigilant and prepared, just in case. Uh, finally, uh, here's a new type of cyber attack that can make phishing nearly undetectable. Uh, this It's a browser-in-browser. They call it a BID attack. You can simulate a browser window within the browser that you're using, whether it's Chrome or whatever, in order to spoof a legitimate domain where there are third-party single sign-on embedded options like you see when it says, sign in with Google, Facebook, LinkedIn, Apple. Uh, And when the user does attempt to sign in, the BID attack will create an entirely fabricated secondary browser window. It's not foolproof though, since the victim will be directed to a phishing domain with a fake authentication window for credential harvesting. So that's where you can catch the fake website if you pay attention to the URL there. So keep your eyes open for this new attack vector. That's it for me uh, today. Back to you, Jim.
0: You know, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna use what we went through this morning as a learning opportunity. Uh, Our theme last year was resilience, right? And and that meant when you get knocked down, you got to stand right back up. The message to building owners, operators, whether whether it's a landlord or a, a tenant occupier. You know, we're in unchartered territories with what's going on in Europe and Russia as far as cyber attacks. And our society is now so dependent on electricity and this thing called Internet or communications. This gives everybody pause. You know, if, you, if you've got a building with hundreds, thousands of people in it, fault tolerance, your, your business continuity programs, yeah, you know, tenants are just not going to listen to the idea that the internet's down. I mean, the onus is going to be on building owners that if you're charging me rent, you should have some backups, some plans that in the event this internet goes down from this provider that you can flip a switch. So telecommunications is not a nice to have, it's a need to have. And
3: the message I think to building owners is pay attention. Pay attention. Yeah, no, I'm hearing from a lot of the CIOs and CTOs yeah, I mean they're they're pulling out their old business continuity notebooks, dusting them off, and really taking a hard look at revising them. You know, there was a big movement like five six years ago to, to look at you know disaster recovery and business continuity following the you know the floods. Three and people were in those in rooms, the hurricanes, yeah. yeah. But uh, now more than ever, I think it's important to to really pay attention to that. Well, and then
0: you know it's not just the technology side; it's the culture. So you your internet, you know, and the whole region is down. You're trying to get ready for realcom live. It was you know, we got we said, Okay, Howard, you do this. We had three of us sitting at desks, calling around, finding broadband, assisting you, but you weren't stressing on your own. That takes a collective team effort that somebody who says, we're not gonna stop. We've got, we're smart, we can figure this out. So while you were getting, you know, packed up, ready to go, we were scouting your locations and lo and behold, you made it and I want thank you.
3: Yeah, totally no problem. Thank you for your help on that.
0: Yeah, But, it, but it's a team that basically understands you need to have options. And, and if everybody tries hard enough, you can solve big problems or yeah. little problems. All right. Have a great day. Grab a cup of coffee and uh, enjoy. Thanks, guys. All right. Before we wrap, let's hear from our final sponsor. I'm going to come back and give you a little breakdown of what we're going to talk about next week. All right. So next week, we got a really fun topic. You know, we cover smart buildings, digital districts, smart campuses, touch upon smart cities a little bit, which we're actually going to be talking a lot about at the conference this year. Um, And through all of our travels and uh, our investigations and our conversations, we came up with what we think or we've been told is one of the smartest uh, uh, university campuses in the world. Uh, The University of Birmingham uh, over in the UK. We're going to stay on the UK theme for another week. Uh, is doing some mind-blowing things as far as the buildings, the infrastructure, the services they're delivering to those buildings on that campus. And we're excited to have Trevor Payne, the Director of Estates at the University of Birmingham. So we're going to go back over the pond for one more week, talk about what we would call a smart city, which is a a smart university. And uh, we're excited
3: for that conversation. And we look forward to seeing you next Friday on RealCom Live. Be well, be safe, and thrive.